lying low, hot and cold. I looked everywhere for what I need, but now I know. Now I know I'm going back to loving me. Welcome to SOS. I'm your host, Jennifer Elizabeth Masters. I am so delighted you're here. I am a soul sculptor, and my mission is to help you overcome past trauma and heartbreak to have the amazing life and business of your dreams. You know, and on Soulfully or Observant Sage, we're all about happiness, pleasure, soulful expression, and feeling good is the goal. And tonight, my very special guest is the prolific song songwriter, composer, and pianist, Peter Cater. He is a two-time Grammy Award winner, uh, he's also a pianist, composer. He is a leading innovator of contemporary music, instrumental music for over three decades. I remember hearing him back in the 80s. He's received many awards and accolades for his rich and diverse music, including 14 Grammy Award nominations and two Grammy wins. He's released over 70 critically acclaimed recordings, has scored the music for over 100 television and film productions, including 11 on and off Broadway dramatic plays. From solo, uh, piano, uh, contemporary jazz ensembles to full orchestral works, his cross genre music is heard all over the world from the Olympics to Carnegie Hall. And he's known for his many groundbreaking collaborations with Native American flautist, Carlos Nakai, uh, sting guitarist, Dominic Miller, and sacred chantress, Satnam Kar. And he's an avid environment, environmentalist and humanitarian. Peter's also the proud recipient of the Environmental Leadership Award from the United Nations. And it is my great pleasure to welcome Peter Cater. Welcome, Peter. Hey, Jennifer. How are you doing? Good to have you here. Nice to be here. Thank you. You grew up and actually were born in uh, Germany, yes? Born in Germany, yes. And and so you, you were there to what, six years old and then moved to... Um... I only lived there full, full time till I was four and then I used to spend my summers there, you know, through my teenage years. And that was in Munich, was it? Yeah. 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 How did that influence your, your musical career? Or did it at all? You mean being born in Germany? Well, um, my, I've always felt that my time in Germany kind of gave me a sense of optimism and a sense of, of magic in my life because there was a stark contrast between my time in Germany and my time in New Jersey. Uh, in, in Germany, it was, you know, it was Bavaria. It was going from castles to churches to lakes to, you know, just all these beautiful forests and hikes. And it was very safe and, and beautiful. In New Jersey, it was like lower middle class, uh, 
you know, family drama, you know, with younger parents, you know, and it was very harsh and edgy and not magical and not nature, you know. And so I think it was the contrast that uh, kind of created, if you could say that external events create an artist, I, I think it was that contrast that kind of created my need to be an artist and um, a, a creative person, a musician. And um, I often think that my time in Germany kind of saved my life because it was, it was, uh, it was safe. It was beautiful. It was nurturing, you know. It was Munich you grew up in, right? Yeah, it was Munich, but B- B- Bavaria, you know, it was Munich is the very southern part of Germany. So we would, my grandparents and I and some friends, you know, we would spend time in, in the Italian Alps, you know, in the Austrian Alps, you know, in Austria, um, you know, various lakes and rivers, you know, uh, it was a very, very beautiful time to kind of, I think it gave me sort of my, my mystical roots in a way, you know, of, of thinking that nature was special and magical and could heal. And you, so when you moved to New Jersey, your mom had you uh, uh, take piano, study piano lessons. And it, it was um, conservatory type of piano, was it not? Classical, yeah. She made me, yeah, classical. I didn't want to do, I didn't want to take piano lessons. <laughs> I didn't really start enjoying playing the piano until I was a teenager. But my classical roots are good. I'm glad I have them. But I wasn't really inspired playing classical music. It was too structured and didn't feel like it had a whole lot to do with me. So it, it and when I have seen you play and, and you you use a lot of um, landscape, the whole keyboard from one end to the other and uh, classical piano doesn't do that quite so much. So um, how how did the classical education, though, allow you to express yourself in a different way? My classical education just gave me technique. Uh, what really allowed me to express myself in a different way was when I was finding myself as a teenager musically and I I went and uh, I got a teacher who taught me how to improvise and uh, how to play the music that I wanted to play, how to make up melodies, how to take simple melody structures and chords and translate it any way I wanted. He taught me how to improvise, how to embellish any song and play it in either a jazz style or a pop style or a Gershwin-esque style or um, more romantic style or more bluesy style. And uh, I started to find that I could express myself and really be myself and enjoy what I was doing. And that's when I started to get into it. Not until I was like 16, 15 years old. So he was, um, when did he start teaching you piano? Around the late teens, was it? No, I started lessons when I was six, but I had classical teachers. The other one that taught you how to improvise. That Yeah, when I was a teenager. Well, I took piano lessons and mine was very structured. And I wish that I'd had somebody that could help me to paint outside the box, as it were. So what is it that inspires you? you? You've composed so many albums and scores and um you have a process, obviously. Um, can you kind of walk us through how an album sort of appears? Is it something that you dream about or do you 
dream music or how, what inspires you? Well, um, life inspires me. Music is an expression of my life. I don't live to make music. I make music to, to express who I am and express my life. Um, I just started a new project after coming out of several months of not feeling creative. So, you know, people talk about writer's block or like, do you get writer's block? And I go, I don't believe in writer's block. You know, you can't be creative all the time. You have to be receptive part of the time. You have to go inwards. You have to go into the darkness. You have to go into the void. You can't always be spewing out light and creativity, you know? So since I've been doing this my whole life, I've gotten much more comfortable with the process. When I first started recording albums in my early 20s, I felt like, oh my God, I just I just gave everything I had. Now I have nothing and I don't think I'll ever be able to be creative again and I'll never make another record. That's how I felt after my first record. And then after I made my second record, I felt the same way, but I thought, well, I don't know, I made a second record, maybe I'll actually have more creative use at some point. At this point, I've come to accept that everything has its own natural flow and its own natural process. So I just came out of a period of really having nothing for months. I didn't play the piano very much except for concerts. I didn't write. I wasn't composing. But then about a month or six weeks ago, I got the feeling that, oh, it's, it's time for me to do another project. I actually have a few ideas. And I would take note of my ideas and actually write them down a little bit, but I didn't really like, you know, start to work on it. I started to be open to that, that there would be a time where I felt inspired. And so uh, just a few days ago, I think it was four or five days ago, I had that, that feeling of like, oh, I've got this melody going. Let me go over to the piano and explore it and see what it's like. So within the last four days, I've probably sketched out about nine new compositions. It's just, it's time when it's time and it's not when it's not, you know? And the less I struggle with it, the, the better the process is. And I feel like the more creative it is. Thank you for that. Now, would you say you channel? It's a form of channeling? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I don't like, I don't like the word channeling, just as I don't like the word spiritual, <laughs> to be honest with you, you know, it's like, there's just so much attached to it. And so many people have concepts of what that means. I don't feel like I'm channeling anyone or anything in particular. But I do feel like I open up and things come through me that I get to witness as they're coming through me. Like if I'm writing a song, I don't go like, oh, I'm writing a song. I go into oh, let me pay really close attention to what wants to happen here. Let me pay real close attention to what naturally wants to unfold. I, I don't try to control it or even take credit for it. I just try to show up and be a good uh, steward or ambassador of whatever is happening, you know? And when I do that, I, I find that it's just, it's way, way more enjoyable, you know, because there isn't that, there isn't that ego sort of connection of right or wrong or good or bad or you know what I mean so when music's flowing through you like that um how long do you spend at the piano or are you do you actually write music like you know like Mozart used to write music or do you just keep it in your head 
I have uh, several ways that I approach it and not any one is really the right way. Sometimes I will be working on a song and I realize that I need to write it down to remember it because the notes are very, very specific. Other times I'm working on a song and I realize that I need to record it as I'm working on it because the feeling is very, very specific and you can't really write that out. There's a certain spaciousness or feeling around it that I need to record to remind myself of what it is. So I don't really have a lot of rules, but I do have certain techniques. Um, and I work on it, you know, until I feel like I'm losing the thread. You know what I mean? It's like, I'll work on it. And then when I feel like I'm starting to second guess myself or I'm starting to have too many options of like, oh, well, I could do it this way or I could do it that way or I could do it that way. Then I start to think, oh, I'm kind of losing connection with the, you know, the original inspiration or the, the source. So then I'll stop. And I'll wait until it comes back and I'll come back. I know it doesn't sound very, you know, I, I've had this conversation with um, another musician before, you know, and he goes, he's, he told, and this is a musician who I really respect. And he says, God, you're just kind of demystifying and de-romanticizing <laughs> the whole creative process. And I was like, well, maybe I'm just stripping it down to, to the essentials. You know, it's like, you know, sure. I have to be very present in my life. And I, I feel like I kind of live out of the box and I'm, I try to find my own way. I don't try to get my information from outside of myself. I try to get my information from my insides, from my intuition. So I live my life in a way that I think is kind of romantic. You know what I mean? In, in, in that spiritual sense of, of discovery and curiosity. But when it comes down to working on an album, I like to keep it really pure. And if it's, you know, if I don't feel like I'm really connected to the purity of it, I'll stop until I feel like I'm reconnected. So do you meditate then before you start to play or before you write? No, I don't. No, the, the playing and the writing kind of is my meditation or my time in nature is my meditation. I do meditate from time to time, but it's not because I feel like, oh, I really should meditate. It's because I want to. You know, I, I went through a period in my life in my 20s where I did meditate and chant three, four hours a day. And that was something that I made myself do. I would fast, I would chant, I would meditate, I'd focus, mantras, yantras, diet, whatever it was. And that was, I was very, very disciplined and very structured. Since then, I feel like I don't want to have to work that hard for what I essentially already am. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. I do. So that I feel like my creative process is my purest expression of my knowing. If I could apply to my life how I approach my creativity, I think my life would be more transformed. You know what I mean? I don't struggle with my creativity. I don't think I should be playing when I'm not. I don't think I should be creative when I'm not. I don't I don't judge myself or compare myself. You know what I mean? I'm just, it just is what it is. But in life, you know, we're so much more seduced into like, oh, you know, maybe I should be doing this or that, or maybe I shouldn't be doing this, or what do they think of what I just did? You know what I mean? Yes, I do. I, I have a, a, um, a, I guess, something that I live by, and it is that, you know, we should never uh, be concerned about what other people think of us. Not ever. 
Yeah, I love I love that uh, that saying of what other people think of me is none of my business. <laughs> but I don't always feel that way because I do. I mean, I do we so are. many times, you know, just, yeah, I wonder what they're thinking about what I just did, you know. You know I, I have some off-the-wall questions to ask. Um, Go for it. Now, I've had some people give me some input, things they'd like to know about Peter Cater. Do oh, okay. You, do you play any other instruments? I play the Native American flute just a little bit, um, not so much for my personal enjoyment, but more because sometimes I need it in my projects and I can't always call up some of my Native American friends. And uh, and I do love the sound of the instrument quite a bit and it's easy to play. So uh, I play that. I used to play some wind instruments when I was younger, but really no, just piano and keyboards. Um, and do you sing? I'm a closet singer. Not a shower singer? You sing in your closet? No, no, the shower is way too exposed. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a closet singer. More like a car singer, car singer alone in my car. I used to sing when I was younger, when I was playing pop songs, and I used to sing like harmony parts to you know some of the songs, but I don't know. Sometimes I actually sing on my albums, but it's like rare, like one out of every eight or 10 albums, I'll do some vocals, but they're very, they're much more like pads. They're not words or something that really stands out. That reminds me of the album Essence. There's, there's quite a, a lot of vocals, heavy vocals in that album. Mm. It's really lovely. Do you have a favorite? Favorite album? Yes. Oh, it's always the one that I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> this is my best album yet, whatever it is. Well, can you even remember? Because 70 albums is a lot. I mean, if I had 70. No, I don't. Sometimes I hear music and I go, is that me? I can't. <laughs> kind of sounds like me, but I don't remember it. <laughs> well, because a lot of my albums are improvised, too. So I don't. I can tell my style, obviously, when I hear it. But I have heard. This is a little egocentric. But I I was at a department store once. And uh, or some some store. And I heard this piano music. This was about 15 years ago. And I heard this piano music and I thought, wow, that's pretty good. Who is that? And I was actually kind of jealous and kind of annoyed because, you know, it, it was really good. It was like something that I wished I would have done, you know. And then after about a minute, I realized, oh, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> it is funny. When you play the piano... Do you and the piano become one? Does the piano ever take over? Who's, who's in charge here? What happens with your piano? <clears throat> well, it depends. It depends if I'm improvising or playing pieces that I've already written. Occasionally, I will get lost. I mean, I'm always watching and observing and I kind of know what I'm doing, you know, because I've been doing it my whole life. I mean, honestly, I've been playing piano for a very long time. So for me to lose all perspective and go into, I have no idea what my fingers are doing and where they're going next, that doesn't happen too often, but it does happen occasionally. And I do find those moments really, really interesting because I always obviously will do something I've never done before. And I feel that 
that sort of that feeling of like I don't know where I am you know it's like I don't know where I am I don't know what I'm doing you know and it's it's kind of scary and kind of exciting and and there is this sense of like you know but it's okay it's it's okay just trust it you know so um the piano is sure it becomes an extension of my expression and you know it's a it's a vehicle i i love the piano i mean uh, i think the piano is, is just seriously beautiful instrument you know with all those strings and the metal harp and just all the work that goes into making it it's very complex and very beautiful you know so i I feel love, you know, like legitimate love for a piano, you know. Well, it's a it's a it's a moving instrument, and um, it, you know, everything is alive and has is native energy. So why not, right? Yeah, and you know, some instruments actually, you know, they, you experience them as having a personality, or maybe even um, a kind of a soul. You know, certain instruments have a life of their own. Sometimes you'll sit down because I play a lot of pianos that I don't know, you know, because I when traveling and stuff. Sometimes I'll sit down at a piano and I'll be like, "Yeah, this piano's dead. Nothing happening here, you know." And it's a struggle to get through it, and I have to really focus on chords, key changes, technique, all that kind of stuff. Other pianos, you sit down and you go, "Oh, I'm looking forward to getting to know you," and you get to know them, you know, in the first three songs. All of a sudden, you have a different relationship with it because you begin to see where the piano speaks and where it doesn't, where it really shines and where it's not so bright, you know. And and you learn how to communicate with it in a way where it really brings out its best qualities. And uh, certain instruments have that sense that they want to be played a certain way, and you can sense it because when you do it right, the whole thing just comes together and it makes you know makes beauty, you know. Other instruments, like, you know, no, you're fighting me. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but it's true. The first time I saw you in person was in Ojai, and you played a in-home concert in a, it's a beautiful home in a, um, I think it was a walnut piano. I, I don't yeah. know what kind of piano it was. Um, and you had invited people to lay underneath the piano. And I, I want to invite you to explore where did that come from when did that first start happening that people would lay under the piano well i hold retreats uh i've been holding retreats on and off for about a decade more so in the last few years and um so this was we were in hawaii and uh i had about 20 people at a retreat and part of the retreat was to come to my house and i would play for people and uh, so what happened was at this one particular retreat, people were sitting on the floor around the piano. And as I was playing, people started just moving in closer and closer. And I'm very comfortable with, with the intimacy. And I invite people, I say, yeah, come closer. Yeah, don't, don't worry, you don't have to stay away. And so one person eventually just wound up underneath the piano. And uh, they were under there and... and uh, and she was like, wow, that was, you know, that was really something. It was like a sound bath, you know, and then the next person would be like, oh, I want to go under. I want to go under. And it kind of began a thing. Then after doing that for a while, I realized that I actually felt like I played different depending on who was under the piano. I was like, well, could that really be true that that who was under the piano would affect my creativity or my 
my mood or the energy that I was feeling. And uh, so I did some exploring of that. And it's very, very, it's true. It's true. Whoever is under the piano, I mean, even whoever's in the room, whoever's in the concert hall, whoever's in my living room affects how I play. So when there's just someone under the piano, it, it almost amplifies that because they're literally underneath me at my feet and I, they're absorbing all the sound and the vibration from the piano like a full sound bath, a full body wash. And uh, there's a synergy that I think starts to happen. So I started doing these piano readings for people where someone would come over to my house and we would talk for a while. And then after I got a really solid feeling about the person, they would get under the piano and I would improvise just for them and record it. And I still do these. I've done hundreds of them. And uh, it's a very, very beautiful, intimate experience. And every time I do it, something new happens that has never happened before because it's a new person. So like, like what, what new could happen? A new melody, a new melody, a new feeling, a new, a new way of looking at uh, um, a series of chords or a new way of, I mean, I don't, they're improvs, so they're all new. They don't, I don't, you know, if someone's lying into the piano for a private session, I do not play one of my songs. I just improvise. I start off with a few notes and then a few more notes and, you know, the energy starts to move and, and inevitably they all sound different. Like you can, you know, I can do seven people in a week and they could all exchange each other's songs and go like, wow, that didn't sound like my song at all. <laughs> <laughs> you created uh, several albums from these personalized readings too, didn't you? Uh, one or two, yeah. I know that one was my first Grammy-winning album, Dancing on Water, was all a collection of um, some of my favorite passages from these readings. And I just thought that they were really good and really interesting, and I wasn't really planning on... I didn't really think that I would win a Grammy for it because I had been nominated for... 13 other records at that point and they were all like highly produced you know guest artists famous people you know orchestras whatever production value money you know this was just me improvising for people lying under my piano <laughs> so when I won for that it was surprising and extremely gratifying because it was about as as stripped bare as I could be you know so the simpler the better maybe in this case, yeah. Okay. Um, I had a question about you traveling and, and how playing your piano throughout the world has made you look at um, the world differently as your community that, you know, you, you, you live in Colorado, but you travel the world. So how do you feel about the world with you bringing your music with you? Well, first of all, it's a great way to see the world. It's a great way to experience the world because you're pretty much loved everywhere you go. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a great way to go into, like I remember the first time I, I went to Rome, I went there for a concert <clears throat> and uh, I was a little nervous about it. You know, first of all, I don't know how, you know, really how the Italians were going to receive me or perceive me. Um, and it was a small concert at a church. It was probably only a hundred people. And um, 
but it was like I immediately was like oh I felt I felt it I felt embraced you know I started playing and I could just feel I felt the vibe in the room you know and it was good and you know of course it affirms things that we already know like you know deep down inside we're all very similar we have similar needs and desires and insecurities and gifts and all that kind of stuff but to actually experience it and to go into a place where you don't speak their language and they don't speak yours, but you still have this synergy and this chemistry and you can feel it tangibly in the room as you're playing and as they're responding afterwards, you know? It, it's a, like I said, it's, it's a great way to travel and experience, experience the world. You know, I kind of miss it to tell you the truth quite a bit right uh-huh. now. How has this year been for you with, with you not being able to do uh, your retreats in Maui like you normally would do? And, and it, you know, for a lot of musicians, their, their cash flow has really been stymied. So um, how has this year it been for you as an experience? Uh, in many ways, it's been one of the best years of my life. Um, I, for some reason, I started to isolate myself back in December, January of last year, about a year ago, actually, before the whole COVID thing hit, before, you know, they were making people stay at home or whatever. I felt pulled to staying at home. And uh, I went into kind of like a deep inner journey this year, which for me to say that is is kind of profound because I'm always kind of doing that, you know? So for me to say that I went on a deep inner journey means like, yeah, I was really focused on like for hours a day, exploring my inner world. And it was very rich and I had a lot of realizations this year and uh, a lot of really positive change in my personal life. And the lack of concerts is definitely a bummer the lack of travel is a bummer. I was supposed to go to Japan and China many times this year. I would have been in China probably a half a dozen times by now in Japan, at least three times this year for concerts, but they all got canceled and not to mention my, my schedule around the U S. So that's a bummer, but my inner world has been very rich and uh, I'm hoping that I'll be able to start that we'll all be able to start moving around the world again. Um, but this whole thing hasn't hit me as hard as it's, it's, as it's hit some people because um, more and more people have been streaming music. And uh, there's, I just feel like my music is actually, if I can say this, has actually been in some ways more popular this year because I feel like people have needed or must have needed more emotional support and peace because I've been getting a lot more exposure this year. And I kind of think it's because of people staying home and kind of being confronted a lot more with themselves. It could just be because I won my second Grammy earlier this year. I don't really know for sure. I'm just kind of guessing. This year, I think for a lot of people has been a deep inner journey. And one of the things that I tout all the time with people that are depressed is to play music because it it can lift you and change the way you feel and 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 you can 
you know, ride the waves of, of music. And uh, I, I just, I wonder how, um, you know, with the different albums that you've done, is there one that stands out for you as more therapeutic than others? Or are they all that way? No, they're not all that way. I mean, I can say that for, and from a therapeutic inner journey point of view, I think my strongest albums are with recent albums, my recent albums, Dancing on Water, Wings, and From My Heart. Prior to that, I would jump to like Migration, Honorable Sky, and then my one of my early albums, Compassion. I think they're all really, really strong for for inner inner reflection, you know, healing. Um, and then my healing series too. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot there too. I, I listened to uh, today, I listened to Essence and Heart of Compassion and um, it was Heaven's, Heaven's Gate. Mm. Uh, beautiful. But the one that really touched me was the Love Album. Mm. And you wrote that one to, uh, to help with relationships and intimacy. Um, and, and what were you thinking when you were <laughs> writing that? What were you thinking? What, what were you thinking? <laughs> what was going on in your life? Which you, you know, it, it's, it's kind of fascinating to, to hear what inspires, you know, musicians when they do compose something that is so beautiful. Well, I, I think it's safe to say that most artists are deeply inspired by love and intimacy, um, with nature being right up there. You know, I, I would hesitate to say which one is more powerful, actually, for me. Um, but yeah, the love album's about love, you know, it's about I was taking, you know, I was, the album was half composed and half improvised. And I was drawing on my personal life, you know, things that were going on in my personal life with relationships, you know, and intimacy. And I was documenting it. You know, I went through a period where I was recording all my improvisations for about a year and a half, every single one. Anytime I sat down at the piano, I immediately pressed the record button and recorded them. And uh, so I was kind of documenting my, my journey in that way. And so I took, you know, half a dozen of my favorite pieces from that. And then I wrote some other ones. The album doesn't just, you know, intimacy isn't, isn't just like, oh, love, it's beautiful, I'm happy. Intimacy is confronting also. It's scary. Intimacy can really push our buttons more than anything, you know. And uh, that's why relationships require work, you know, and, um, because we're, we're brushing up against parts of ourselves that we normally wouldn't touch on if we weren't interacting with someone else, you know? And uh, so I've referred to myself as an intimacy junkie. I, I prefer intimacy. I'm more comfortable in intimacy than I am without. So one of my obstacles is to be more comfortable with less intimacy at times, you know? I don't know if that makes any sense, but uh, I like these retreats and workshops and the, the stuff that I do, the intimate home concerts and, you know, relating on a real level with people. That's my comfort zone. 
going to a superficial reception for an opening of a something is my nightmare. To stand there and have casual conversation on a superficial level scares me to death. <laughs> so, well, because it's meaningless. Yeah, it's meaningless. <laughs> but it's also a part of life, apparently. Well, it, it can be. It, it seems to be less, less a part of life these days. I agree. I agree. You, you talked a little bit about nature. Now, yeah. I, I heard that you don't like the cold, but here you are in Colorado. And, you know, do you spend a lot of time in, in Maui and other places? So what about nature inspires you now? I know you have a series of, of albums that you did in Hawaii, and they're lovely and varied. Um, I, can you talk a little bit about the nature of, of how differently you create in different places? So what I love about nature is, again, that it doesn't second-guess itself. It doesn't wonder, like, should, should I bury this, this thing? Should I... Should this leaf fall now or maybe wait until tomorrow? You know, nature is the purest expression of beingness, I think, that we have. And I feel like as human beings with egos and analytical thought, we've lost a lot of that connection. Um, I think it's our nature to be soulful and that we find our souls in nature because nature reminds us that really it's all, it all just is. It's all just okay. It's all, it's, there's life, there's death, there's the seasons, there's movement, there's feeding, there's breeding, there's everything. And it does it so beautifully. You know, the fall is beautiful. You know, the winter is beautiful. I hesitate to say that because I don't like the cold. <laughs> I actually prefer tropical warmer climates. But, you know, if I drop these thoughts of preferences, you know, and you look outside and it's snowy and it's beautiful and it's clean and pristine and, you know, spacious. Quiet. Hmm? Quiet. Quiet. Yeah. When it's snowy. In nature. In nature. Obviously, away from the towns and cities. Um, yeah, so what was the second half of the question? Well, I asked you about writing music in Hawaii. That yeah. I, I heard you say that, that your compositions are vastly different yeah. when you're in Boulder as opposed to Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii is very soft and fluid and feminine, very warm and nurturing. Everything is much more, you know, the water is soft, the breeze is soft, the leaves, you know, on the trees are, are soft and round and spirally and swirly. You look out, everything is in circles. You, if you look in the nature and, you know, Hawaii, tropical places, you know, the, the vegetation is very circular. The clouds are very circular. The, you know, tides and the patterns of the water and the waves is very circular and um, 
and that affects my music. So when I'm in Hawaii, I find myself improvising like a lot. It's like, I almost don't even want to write anything. I just want to flow. Here in Colorado, it's very masculine, very edgy. There's mountain peaks, you know, the ground is hard and stony. There's cactus. Things are edgy. Dry. Dry. People are here to achieve things, to conquer things, to push their limits, to to become stronger, not softer. Not softer. You know what I mean? And I feel that here. And so I've written, honestly, probably my best compositions here in Boulder, because it's also, it's also, again, I hate to use the word, it's also a spiritual place for me. Um, I've learned a lot here. I've done a lot of growing here and a lot of self-inquiry here, which I'm actually very drawn to right now. I was just in Hawaii um, um, probably a week or 10 days ago, and I felt like I wanted to come back to Boulder because I really feel drawn to working right now. I really feel drawn to doing my inner work, my outer work, to working on a project, to refining things in my life. I don't really feel very drawn right now to to kind of chilling on the beach and getting lost in the sunset, you know, which normally is my preference lately over the last 10, 20 years. But right now I'm feeling like, yeah, there's, there's work to be done and I want to be engaged. So I'm feeling good about being here. Well, good. It's, I think it's been a, a cocooning time for many of us where we've been more isolated than ever before. And, and of course, looking inward. Um, I would love to invite you to play, Peter. Um, have you thought about what you'd like to play for us? No. Okay. <laughs> Why would I do that? Well, um, we're excited to hear whatever it is that you come up with i'm sure okay well let me uh let me sit down and uh figure out what to do um again the uh piano might sound a little distorted you know know, on this platform so i apologize for that if i could have everyone come in and lie under the piano would be much better so you don't want me to play just want to play one thing and come back and talk a little bit oh whatever you like i'm giving you carte blanche here yeah let me play something okay
That was beautiful. I wanted to keep it, wanted to keep it a little short because I just feel like it's distorting and I just don't want to. Well, I know what your piano normally sounds like. So yes, it is a little distorted. It was still lovely, no matter how distorted. Beautiful. I have a question about your footwear. Okay. I didn't realize you could see my footwear. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I've, I've laid under the piano before, so I know you don't wear shoes. Is that typical? Is, is that what you do always or just at home? Uh, well, I do prefer to not wear shoes in general. Um, but, you know, if I'm at a concert hall, I'll, I'll usually wear shoes occasionally. I won't. If I'm in Hawaii and I'm doing a gig, you know, it's sandals, you know, and I'll usually take the sandals off, you know. But, um, yeah, bare feet is where it's at. <laughs> well, I, that's, that's where I'm at, too, barefoot. I'm barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like, I like feeling. You the earth that way. You're real yeah. ground. Yeah. Yeah, they actually, they actually have a word for that, which I thought was funny. They have a word for everything. It's like earthing or re-earthing or what do they call it it's like it's like people say like well you know as as a you know therapeutic sort of like uh, enhancement you know just practice walking barefoot on the ground like wow that's really that's really innovative (laughs) (laughs) imagine that imagine that having your feet touch the earth that's just crazy well and so many people today have anxiety is it any wonder yeah they spend so much time outdoors, and when they are outdoors, it's fully clothed and definitely not barefoot. Yeah. Do some, you some, have, go ahead. Do you have a routine that you perform before a concert? Is there, you know, um, baseball players wear, you know, the same pair of underwear, you know, the lucky underwear, or or T-shirt or, or something? Do you have any kind of ritual that yeah. you go through? Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, a half hour before a concert, I need to be by myself. And what I, what I really love to do in that time period, in the last 10 to 15 minutes just before I come out to play, I love taking a shower. I just love it. It just feels so good. Just like, just have that water, you know, and just be with myself, you know, kind of in that way, you know, connecting with, you know, water. An element, you know, like probably the most amazing magical thing in our physical world, I think, you know. Um, so, yeah, I love, I love taking showers. So you probably have noticed, like, if you come to my house for a home concert, you know, I'm upstairs taking a shower <laughs> before I come down because it just, it just makes me feel just so much more close to myself and more centered. Well, that's, that's me an hour before I do my show. I'm in the shower. I do the same thing. Um, it's, uh, I think it, it's a grounding thing. And, you know, we're more than 50% water. Why not? Yeah. I, I think that the most glorious thing I've ever experienced was an outdoor shower in Bali. And it was yeah. all stone. Amazing. Yeah. You did an album, maybe several on elements and um you have a special um it's it's uh i don't know how to describe it it is an arpeggio but you you do a uh trill i think on an arpeggio i've never heard it played that way um 
I don't know if it even has a technical name, uh, but but it's uh, it, I could you do could you sort of your arpeggios are beautiful, but it was it the, one of the albums I was listening today. It sounded like water or birds or <clears throat> it was lovely. Yeah, I love I love arpeggios and I love moving up and down the keyboard in a variety of creative ways. One of the things that I like to do is I don't know if you're talking about this. Yes. That kind of thing. Yes. the keyboard feels good it, well it's it's really beautiful like i said you, you use all your landscape you you don't leave any keys lonely uh, do you practice i mean i i understand that you you don't just sit down to play um and and i'd like to know why but do you practice on a regular basis or no no now, sometimes I'll write songs that I have to practice to play them correctly. I'm kind of actually in that couple couple songs on this new album I'm working on. I can't play them well enough yet. I need to practice them. Um, but I don't practice for the practice sake. You know, it's like if I feel like I need to play the piano, if I, if I feel like I need to get my fingers into better shape, I would much prefer to invite some people over and, and play for them. You know what I mean? I would rather not practice. I would rather just play more for real, you know? Practice implies a certain kind of, I don't know. Efforting. Working. Yeah, efforting, yeah. Whereas I'd rather just, uh, I'd rather just find a way to enjoy it more. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not one of these people that like, I'm not trying to be the best piano player around, you know, I just want to be able to express what I want to express um, in my music as a way of self-actualization, you know, self-expression, you know, there's plenty of piano players out there, thousands that have better chops and technique and discipline. That's not what, I, that's not what I'm into. I've been, I mean, I, I don't think my technique's too bad. <laughs> well, I, I think the, the people that listen to you enjoy your music. So I, I would say that they agree. Your technique is excellent. Um, if you were to uh, look back to the young Peter, what, what advice would you give him? What, what do you wish that you knew back then that you've, maybe learned today about yourself? Yeah, I would say, you know, just embrace, embrace who you are, trust yourself, trust your instincts. Don't try to be anyone else, you know, just like be yourself, just enjoy getting to know who you are. You know, I think that's the biggest game that we play with ourselves in life, you know, is that we, we think that we need to be somehow different than how we are. We need to feel differently than we do, you know? I think um, I think 
the key to most situations is just to be present where we are for real, you know, be, be awake and seeing and feeling without trying to change it because things will change on their own. Um, Being authentically ourselves instead of trying to make somebody else happy and be something that you're not. Yeah, totally. It's pretty rich. I have one more question for you and it's, it's a kind of off the wall. So I I love rock music and I, I sing in my car and, uh, but on a regular basis, what do you listen to when you're at home? That's just it. I, I really enjoy listening to music, but I enjoy it more when other people put it on. I, Lately, do not have the inclination at all to put on anything. I'm totally fine with silence. Silence. Yeah, but when other people have a playlist, I really like it. Like, uh, I've been getting, I've been getting, I've been getting a new tattoo in my arm, and the the guy that I see for the tattoo, he's got this this great playlist of music that I don't know any of the songs. It's, I don't know any of them. And I just love going there to listen to his world of music. It's so interesting. You know, if I'm hanging with friends or I'm hanging with my son, you know, who also has, you know, his own taste in music. I, I love it when people put on their music. And it's, it's everything. It's, it's rock. It's it's Latin. It's, you know, some hip hop, you know, it's alternative rock. It's uh, pop, you know. I mean, I love everything from Andrea Bocelli through The Strokes. Yeah. Is your son musical? He plays guitar, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's got the thing. He's got that thing, if he wants it. That's a beautiful <laughs> thing to, to have that passed down. Yeah, if he wants it. I mean, it's it's not an easy road. You know, I, I tend to discourage him a little bit. It's like, if you think a path of music is going to answer all your problems, it's uh, it's not going to happen, you know. We we see a lot of people going to L.A. to make it big and, and finding that it's not easy to do so. Oh, no, it's not. It's very difficult. Not at all. Yeah, I feel like I've been lucky. To, not that I've, you know, achieved any great success or any fame or, or wealth. I've just been lucky that I've been able to, you know, have my music carry me through my life. You know, it's it's been it's been my whatever. I don't even know what I would call it. I can't call it a job. <laughs> it's been my path. Your passion. Yeah, my passion, and my path, all in one, and my income. <laughs> I, ha- I have one more question for you, Peter. You, you keep saying that. Yeah. Well, just one more. Uh, when you were um, on the road and playing in bars and, and um, I, I don't know where else you played, but, you, you know, street corners, wherever you, you could, um, what was life like that f- at that time for you? You mean in the early years? Yes. When I was just kind of hitchhiking around the country, playing in bars and clubs. Right. Well, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, it's that classic line of like, you know, freedom 
is just meaning you've got nothing left to lose. I had nothing, you know, I literally had all my belongings in my backpack, you know, and it was like three big fat music books and a change of clothes and a sleeping bag. And um, in some ways it was very exposed and scary. And in other ways it was very like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? And it was back in the days when you could get away with hitchhiking around the country. It was the, the late seventies still, you know, it was like 1977. And, uh, you know, I got into some, some hairy, uncomfortable situations, but basically you could still do it, you know? And, uh, yeah, I just find myself sleeping here, sleeping there, you know, finding a restaurant or bar, you know, and seeing if they had a piano and going in and auditioning, playing for a week, you know, saving a little money than going on somewhere else. And, it was a very rich time, very rich. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to do it again, to be honest with you, but at that time in my life, it was, it was great. It was like, you know, the university of life, you know, the people that I knew were going to college at that time. And I was just throwing myself into the world, you know, it was good. The vagabond pianist. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't really do it like, you know, it wasn't like, oh yeah, let me let me explore this creative path on the road, you know. It was just kind of more like, what else am I gonna do? I was in New Jersey, I didn't want to be there and there wasn't any family for me to stay with at that point. And uh I just wanted out. I just wanted something different. And I had no money. And there I was. I had my music. Necessity, the mother of invention. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to uh, take us away with uh, a tune? And um, I think that we we are so grateful for for you sharing your art and and uh, your joy with us and telling us a little bit about your your process. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. Thanks. It's been really nice talking with you too. Yeah, I'll play a little a little vignette, a little short little exit piece. All right. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Um, and I'm just before you start, I would like to just share to our listeners that uh, music will help open your heart and touches your soul, and you can certainly get get uh, carried away and meditate through through just listening to beautiful music. So thank you, Peter, for sharing with us. My pleasure. And a pleasure.
hot and cold, I looked everywhere for what I need. But now I know, now I know, I'm going back to loving me. And through the pain, the fire it made, I wouldn't change a single thing. Found a way to make it work, stronger for the road that. Now I know, now I know I'm going back to loving me I'm going back, I'm going back to loving me High and low, hot and cold, I looked everywhere for what I need But now I know, now I know I'm going back